give it to him, one who does and has given us so much. We have some unfinished business today, and I'm going to explain that a little bit later, but I'm going to go ahead and dismiss young people right now. For time in the Word, they can head up to the upper rooms, or young people can head on out. Time in the uh, in the Word in the upper room as the days work with them today. And before we tell you about the unfinished business, I want to share an Associated Press story. It was back in 2007. Don and Mona Shaw said they had an appointment for a Comcast technician to come to their Virginia home and install the company's advertised triple play phone, internet, cable service. The Shaws say that no one came all day. But get this, two days later, a technician just showed up. And then, get this, he left without finishing the job. Well, they had limited service, but they were obviously unhappy with the situation. So, um, anyway, to add insult to injury, according to the article, two days after that, Comcast cut off the service they did have. So here's this, this couple. They made a trip over to the office in Manassas later that day, and according to the Shaws, they waited for a manager for two hours. And someone came out then and said that the manager had left for the day after they sat for two hours. Well, that was enough for Mona Shaw. Age 75, a church-going secretary of the local American Association of Retired People, AARP. She returned the next Monday with a hammer. She said, I smashed the keyboard, knocked over a monitor, and I went to hit the telephone. I figured, hey, my telephone's messed up. Yours should be too. Well, Comcast Corporation disputed Shaw's version of its customer service record, and they called her hammer fit an inappropriate situation. According to a spokesperson for Comcast, nothing justifies this sort of dangerous behavior. Well, police arrested Shaw for disorderly conduct. She received a three-month suspended sentence. She was fined $345 and was barred from going near the Comcast offices for a year. The article said that the Shaws did eventually get phone and television service with Verizon and DirecTV. <clears throat> the press release, though, ended by sharing Mona's words. She said, <clears throat> many people have called her a hero. But no, I'm just an old lady who got mad. I had a hissy fit. And she also said she had no regrets about using a hammer and venting her frustration. Now, we laugh at that, and it does sound like a pretty funny story, doesn't it? But you know, we live in a day when people are often praised for venting their frustrations. In fact, it's gotten pretty frightening, has it not, in a lot of major cities over the last few years when People have vented their frustrations, and no one stands up and says, I don't care what color your skin is, this is wrong. What you're doing is sinful and needs to change. Examples abound of people who have lost control, some doing great damage to property, some doing damage to lives. And they have done it like Miss Shaw without regret. Many, sadly, even Christians justify losing their temper harboring bitterness, causing a rift between two people because they feel, I've been wronged. And because I've been wronged, I think I have the right to take retaliation. 
Did you catch in that story that Mona Shaw was a church-going lady? And yet, she doesn't care that she violated a command of Scripture. One that we read last week, and that's why I said we have unfinished business, because we're going to read it again this week. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'd like you to take a look once again at this passage. Now you say, well, I wasn't here last week. That's right, we have a lot of visitors. So it's not once again for you, but it is once again for, for God's people that were here last Sunday morning because we looked at two verses in Ephesians chapter 4 dealing with the subject of actually how to restore relationships or, or if you would hope for relationships. One of the things I'm so thankful for is that, that God doesn't always talk and use the word hope, but there's a lot of hope in the Bible. And one of the areas in which I, we shared last week there's great hope is in the matter of restoring relationships that have been broken uh, and, and learning to overcome, if you would, sins in our lives that are displeasing to the Lord and learning to act in ways that God wants us to act. Quite frankly, Mona, Mona should be ashamed of herself for her actions. She shouldn't stand before a media and say, I have no regrets for what I've done. And any Christian who would say that has a spiritual problem. Because God tells us in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 what he expects. And so would you go ahead and read those verses with me? We're going to have you read them out loud. I want you to think about them. Many of you have them memorized, and that's a good thing. But we need to practice them. So read them with me, and then I'll share with you, and we'll get into the word this morning. Join with me in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So what unfinished business do we have to care for? Well, we shared the truth found in these verses, and we challenge you to live light, live right, in light of, there you go, we'll get those words out correctly, live right in light of those well-known verses. But this past week, as I sought to make improvements in my actions, and yes, I have to work on these things too, I was reminded that sometimes we can preach a passage and tell people this is what we're supposed to do. Sometimes we don't help people learn how to do it. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing what we did last week because we preached the passage. And I think, in fact, it, it seemed to indicate from the hands that were raised that uh, God did a work in some hearts. And there were some things that uh, people saw about themselves that need to go, verse 31, and they saw in their lives some things that need to be added or improved upon in verse 32. And that's a good thing. But as I was living out things this past week, it's true that we can preach things and then we lead people to kind of fend for themselves when it comes to the actual practice of the things that we find in Scripture. So our unfinished business is related to helping you conquer the sins of verse 31 and practice the activities or actions of verse 32, which God encourages. In addition to that, there's some truths that time didn't allow us to address. I, I said I had a, a bunch of points that started with the letter R. I got to four. Uh, I think someone said, well, I thought you said there was five. Well, there were, and now there's like seven, eight, nine, something like that. So there's some other things that start with the letter R that we want to share with you today to kind of help you. Because here's the truth. We can talk about these verses all we want. 
And I don't think there's a person in this room that can't improve on either removing verse 31 or practicing verse 32. And I'm not saying that just to be critical of you. I know I need it. And I know that you can develop habits in life that, that are contrary to what God wants for you. So today, I'd like to look once again at these verses. And although we spent a lot of time in the passage itself, we're going to look at some things that I hope will be of help to you that uh, may help you to focus a little bit better on how to make change this week in your life for the glory of God in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. So if you would, let's pray together and ask God to help us. Father, we need your strength today. We need your wisdom and guidance, not just to look at a few verses of Scripture and say, yes, that's what I need. But Father, we need your help to do something about it. And I pray that you would help God's people this week to find a great measure of success in their lives because they are putting off the activities and actions and reactions of verse 31 and because they are actually learning to put into practice the truths of verse 32. Help us, Lord God, to be doing our part to restore relationships, to build relationships, to correct wrongs, and to deal with things for the glory of God. I pray, Father, that the time would be a practical time this morning, a helpful time, not one where we just give truth, but one where your people are stirred and maybe helped to take specific actions this week that they might glorify you. I pray, Lord, for those even that weren't here this past week that I believe would probably even understand these verses to some extent that you would challenge and that you'd work, that we would leave this place determined to be the kind of people that honor our Lord Jesus Christ, who act like our Father, who forgives us. We'll thank you, Lord, for what you'll do and how you'll help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we begin this morning with review and repent. You got to start there. I got to quickly, if we're going to move forward, take a step back. Kind of be reminded of what God expects of us and why it's important. We not only need to review, but then we're going to take, if you would, the first step and understand a little bit about repentance and uh, what God wants. Because as I said, I think it's very, very, being very honest, as I look at verse 31, I would say there's some things I need to work on in my life and work at removing. As I look at verse 32, if I'm honest, I'm not always the kindest person in the world. I'm not always tenderhearted. Now, I know you're looking at me and you're saying, you're a horrible pastor, we're fine. I get it. But the truth of the matter is I figured if I needed some help on these things that maybe some of God's people could use a little bit of help on this. But we've got to understand, we've got to kind of get ourselves, if you would, back into where we were at last week and understanding what's going on in this passage. Uh, in our story, we uh, shared with you who was a Christian, and I, as I've already said, she had no guilt or remorse about sinful activity. She didn't have any regret about this, and I wonder if sometimes we can be the same way, that we can go on our way, and we can look at verses like this, and we can say, yeah, I probably could work on those things a little bit, and then Monday comes around, and nothing happens, and Tuesday comes around, or maybe on Monday we start doing something about it, and then we have a setback or something to that effect, and then kind of things die out, or maybe it's a week later, maybe it's a couple weeks, uh, where we just have tried a little bit, 
but then we don't move forward like we ought. And God wants us to make that change. Why does God want us to make that change? Well, we shared some realities from the passage last week. First reality we shared with you is found in verses 22 to 24, actually all the way back to verse 17. But God reminds us in this passage, and this is why verses 31 and 32 are of an old corrupt man. And that old corrupt man hasn't left us. It hasn't been fully removed. And we, are, we have a new creation within us, in us, but that re- new creation hasn't been fully recognized or realized, if you would. And because of that fact, God in this passage actually deals with a number of things that Christians often struggle with. Yes, lying. I mean, you can look at this, this through. You see people who are angry and, and lose control, people who steal, and people who use corrupt communication out of their mouth, and they don't use words that are good to the use of edifying. I mean, we could have, quite honestly, gone through the whole list, but then it would take me six months to preach through the passage and understand all that God is saying here. But he does help us to understand, and it's important for us to be reminded. We have an old corrupt man. It hasn't been removed out of our life. We've got to deal with it. In fact, that's what God's telling us. Take it off. You don't have to live according to it anymore because God has given you a new man. And that new man within you has the ability, with God's help and with God's strength and with God's spirit, to make changes in your life in a positive way, being kind and being tenderhearted, being forgiven. Oh, I can't forgive so-and-so. Yes, you can, by the grace of God, with God's spirit, because you have a new man within you. So we need to understand that and be reminded of that truth. We also shared with you from this passage that our actions then are either hindering or helping relationships with people. And that's true. If you act any of the truths in verse 31, you're hurting relationships. You might be hurting relationships in your home with your family. You might be hurting relationships with your coworkers. You might even be hurting relationships with people at church. Because the truth is, anytime you follow any of the things found in verse 31 that your old nature wants to follow, and you you find that you struggle with as a Christian, anytime you follow one of those things, you are harming relationships with people. But I reminded you last week from this passage And I remind you again today that the most important thing about this passage is not about resolving relationship problems between people, but it's resolving a relationship problem between you and God. You see, the reason why we're to put off the old man and put on the new man is not in this passage because it's going to help relationships, although it will. The reason you're to put off the wrong and put on the right is because God made you a new creation in Christ. And if you're going to walk with God and be in fellowship with God, you can't follow verse 31. You can't do those things and be right with God. You need to follow verse 32 in order to be right with God, being kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. And we need to be reminded of that fact because Even if relationships are not restored by following these verses, it matters not. What will happen if you'll follow these verses is that your relationship with God will be right. And that is the most important thing of all that we can learn in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. 
now removing these things. We talked about in verse 31. And again, this morning, it's, it's a review. I wanted to just start going through the list again and talk about what they are, but we don't have time to deal with all of them. Bitterness and wrath, the explosion and, and anger, and, uh, and the clamor. Remember, the clamor is the fighting between people, the verbal arguments, and uh, evil, uh, evil speaking, saying things that hurt people, malice, the intent to injure others. And I just went through the list, didn't I? But there's a reason why these things are to be removed, because they hurt your testimony. They hurt what people think of you. But most importantly, as we've already said, they hurt your relationship, your fellowship with God. And let me remind you, in verse 31, these things are all sin. When you lose your temper, you've sinned. When you lose control, you've sinned against God. So removal is very important. But you know what I thought about this past week in verse 31? That removal is ultimately preventive maintenance. If we were to look at verses 31 and 32... Verse 31 is preventive maintenance. Do you do, th do you, um, well, I, I don't. <clears throat> you should. They always tell you, you know, you should have a, a HVAC man come in and look at your, your furnace every, every year, you know, spring or fall or whatever, just to check things and make sure they're all right. I don't always do it. <clears throat> but they tell you you're supposed to do it, and why? Preventive maintenance. Because they may catch something that's wrong or some, or some problem. They may manufacture one, too. But they may catch something as they're doing that. That's why I don't have them in all the time. All right. <clears throat> so they may catch something that's going to save you a lot of money down the road if you just take care of it now or you fix it now or you give attention to it now. And as I look at verse 31, quite honestly, those things, as we deal with them, as we put those things off, is preventive maintenance. Do you realize that a lot of verse 32 isn't going to be needed near as much if you follow verse 31 or if you deal with the sins of verse 31? See, you're not going to be running people away, so, so you won't have to be dealing with the matter of forgiveness. Does that, does that make sense? You, you know what? Verse 31 is really, we look at it sometimes negatively. Oh, i got to get rid of this, and i got to deal with this, and i got to resolve this. And quite honestly, it's just going to save you from a lot of heartache in life if you just deal with these things that God talks about in verse 31. It's kind of preventive maintenance. It'll just solve you. You, you won't get in near as many troubles with people and, and, and issues with people if you don't blow up. If you don't keep anger within and, 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 and get bent out of shape about things that are going on with people. It's preventive maintenance. Do you know what verse 32 is? Replacing... Uh, these things, or the wrong things, with the positive things of verse 32 is proactive management. See, God made you holy so you can be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. God made you holy. God gave you this new man so that these things you can deal with so that you can manage your life and be in a right relationship with people and being kind and tenderhearted and forgiving requires that you do that. So it's really proactive management. So I hope you'll see that this is both, if you would, uh, proactive and preventive, these verses for us. So there you go. And um, uh, so you have a very brief view, view of la review, a review of last week's message. But in these verses, there's a call for us to repent, to have a change of mind. And I remind you once again, 
if you have one of the things or two of the things or a number of the things of verse 31 that are part of your life right now, you're not right with God. And I know that's very straightforward. I know that's, that's like, but you're not. You cannot be right with God and lose your temper. You, you, you can't be right with God and harbor malice in your heart or bitterness in your heart. You can't be right with God and get into ver- verbal arguments with people. You just can't. But I'll also say this. You, you can't be right if you're not kind. And you also can't be right with God if you're not tenderhearted. And you can't be right with God if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Because these things are what God expects, what God requires in Scripture. God calls upon us all to have a change of mind because I'm afraid that what Mona did in that opening illustration is what a lot of Christians do. We justify our actions. We, we don't feel guilt anymore over the fact that we lost our temper, that we got all bent out of shape as, as the guy cut us off. And yes, I had to work on that this week. Maybe you may not have to, but I do. Um, and, you know, you, these things that, that are found in this passage and, and these, these matters are things that we got to take very seriously. We need to have a change of mind. This is serious stuff. And if it's not, if verse 31 is part of my life, if verse 32 is not part of my life, then I am not in a right relationship with my God, and I want to do something about it. Now, if you're here and that's you, then we got done the review and the repent, so let's move on. See, God has saved me. God has saved me so that I might be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. God did not save me so I could lose my temper. God did not save me to be bitter. God did not save me to follow these things that I used to follow before I was part of the family of God. God saved me to change me, and we're ready to move on. So recognize. The next thing is recognize. So we got we reviewed, and we talked about repent. Now recognize. And this goes along with the point of repent. But you'll never see the need to do something unless you see that you're doing it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Um, do you know when... When you're involved in these things, like you, you have a problem with your temper, a lot of times you don't see that you have a problem with your temper. This is truth. This week, at least three times, I, I caught myself responding to the people in front of me as I was driving down the road. And here's the reason I caught myself, because I preached on this last week, <coughs> and I had to work. And I was sensitive to the fact that this is something I may need to work on. But the, the truth is, it was like, I, I caught, at least three times, I caught myself and I said, I didn't realize, I just do this. If you're going to change, if you're actually going to work on these things, you've you got to come to a place when you, that you recognize you're doing it. Do, do you recognize that you, you, you know, give those little jabs that, hurt your relationship with your wife or your husband? Do you catch that sometimes you're just saying things maybe in a mean tone? You know what 
I remember marriage ceremonies years ago. They don't talk about a lot of things they don't even go anymore. But they always talk about never forget that tender tone you had with your wife. Do you, do you remember that in vows years ago? That that what, I'm not sure how they how they say. It. Just never forget to have a, you know just a, a tender voice in the way that you speak with one another and, and deal with one another. That is often in marriage vows that were that are that are spoken. Have you, have you been tender in your responses? You know, after a while, you've been married for a while. Just kind of like, yeah, come on over, let's go. Or, let's get moving. Maybe you did that this morning. <laughs> I get myself getting people in trouble already this morning. You know, you're, you're, sitting, <laughs> you're sitting in the car and the, you push the button or roll the window down. And, We're late already. That tender tone, it's gone. It has been gone for a long time. Here's the truth, though. We don't even realize we do that. It's become habit. So part of winning the victory, part of actually putting these things into practice, is that I come to a place where I realize I'm not doing them, or I'm doing them, and I shouldn't be. And that something needs to change. You see, the truth is, uh, you know, honey, we're late for church already. It's not kind. as she's scrambling to get food ready for today and get out the door on time. And you haven't once, men, said, dear, could I help you get ready? Don't look at me like that. And don't, don't elbow your husband either. Seriously. Winning the victory is is first recognizing that these are actually issues that I have to deal with. That something's going on here that isn't right and that it doesn't please God. And and once I realize that, then you know more work continues or work is going to continue. But it's it's coming in a place where um, yeah, that I, I, I catch this. Because we can just start getting into these um, these patterns, and we don't even realize it. I, I've been asking God to help me see, and I don't know if my wife has even recognized it, but to help me see how many times I, I, I speak, but I don't speak kindly. Um, I, I, I may just be harsh in my because that's, that's part of dealing with these things. And I think sometimes that's where a lot of the problem is. We, we just have gotten so used to doing what we've been doing for so long. We just get mad when the guy cuts us off and we hit the horn. Well, you don't do that in Tennessee. You, you talk to them. At least that's what I do. I talk to them. And I, they hear me, I know. Um, yeah, it's just unacceptable to beep the horn. Unless you're from California, then you beep the horn and everyone knows you're not from Tennessee. As soon as the light turns green, you beep the horn and everyone knows you're not from Tennessee. You didn't live here all that long. Okay, come on, you all know this goes on too. But but here's the truth. Some of you, some of you have just reacted to traffic for so long you don't even know that you do it. You don't 
catch yourself. And recognizing is part of winning the victory. It's, it's coming to a place where I say, hey, look, I, I really do have a problem with this. And, and something needs to happen because I'm not right with God when I do this. And I want to please him. He bought me with his blood and he gave me a new a, a, a spirit within to change me. And I want to be pleasing to him, so i got to recognize. But there's something else. There has to be resolve then. I, it, there's, there's enough to say, okay, I recognize it. But you know then, uh, it, there has to be a resolve that I'm going to do something about it because these things I want to do. I like talking to the people that have, have gotten been on because I feel like I'm, I'm venting. Do you, do you, do you, do you get, um, it's just, it's, it's something that, well, that's where I, that, that's the way I am. That's the way I'll always be. And God says, no. So there has to be, if there's, you're going to change a resolve within your heart that I'm going to get serious about this. Have you ever done, done what, what I've done in a matter of, uh, the need to lose weight. Now, now maybe you've never, never struggled with this, but um, it was a number of years ago. Uh, we were at a ball game and um, with our son in uh, Spring Hill, and um, I think it was my wife who took a picture of the dugout. Well, on that day, I happened to actually be in the dugout, just helping you know the next batter or whatever and those things. When I saw the picture of the dugout. I said this, who is the fat guy in the dugout? <laughs> Kid you not. Who is the fat guy in the dugout? I don't remember him. And then I realized it was, it was embarrassing. It was me. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't until I recognized that that I realized <clears throat> that I needed to do something really needed to do something about the fact that I I had been putting on weight. And do you get that? And, and look, it took a lot of resolve. And I need that resolve back again because that's the tendency of our human nature. It just takes resolve to change and it takes resolve to continue. It really does. You're going to change your diet. You're going to change losing your temper. You're going you're gonna to learn to be kind to people. Like, like, the, like the waitress that gets your order wrong or you've been sitting there for 45 minutes and you haven't gotten your food and you're really getting bent out of shape because we've been sitting here so long. And it's just going to take some resolve. There has, has to be a, 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 an attitude that says, I want to do something about it. And I want you to see a great verse for that. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is a passage I almost contemplated preaching on because it deals with the matter of vengeance. And you know these verses well, at least if you've been saved for any amount of time, you've probably heard them preached on. Because God says in verse 17, recompense no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. We're at the end of Romans chapter 12, verse 17 there. And then verse 18 really applies. He says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you. That is an important statement. It really is in this passage. Because a lot of people will say, well, look, I'm trying have you ever, you know, I'm trying. Well, I've said that in the regard to, to, to diets before. I'm trying. 
And then, you know, I'm at Culver's and I get ice cream. I'm trying, you know, and I order a large ice cream at, at Andy's and, uh, you know, I'm trying. But a lot of times we don't, with all our energy, with all our strength, get involved. And verse 18 really does lay out for us what God expects in the matter of, of resolving, if you would, relationships. But as well, not taking vengeance. God says, as much as lies in you, here's how you're supposed to live with people. Live peaceably with all men. So, so here's the question. The guy cut you off. Are you living peaceably with all men when you pull your vehicle up and refuse to let them in? With all your might, are you? It's a question to ask. Come on, let's be fair. That's a question to ask. Are you seeking to live peaceably with your wife or with your husband by the way you're talking to them? Are you seeking with all your might, with all your strength, to live peaceably with people? That's how God tells us to act in verse 18. And it's a wonderful verse because as much as lies in you, with all the energy that you have, and, and as much as you can, with resolve, you need to say, hey, this has got to change. I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to take some action on this. There has to be a strong will to change. Because the truth is, you want to do those things. I, I came across a great story. A preacher said this. He said, how often do you let other people's nonsense change your mood? Do you let a bad driver, a rude waiter, a curt boss, or an insensitive employee ruin your day? This month has been written a little while ago. Unless you're the Terminator, for an instant you're probably set back on your heels when those things happen. However, the mark of a successful person is how quickly you can get back your focus on what's important. He said, I learned that in Zimbabwe, Africa, in a taxi cab. Here's what happened. I hopped in a taxi. We took off for Westgate. We were driving when all of a sudden a black car pulled out of a parking space right in front of us. My taxi driver slammed on his brakes, skidded, and missed the other car's back end, back end by inches. And here's what happened next. The driver of the other car who pulled out in front of us uh, started yelling bad words at us. And he said, how do I know? He said, um, uh, and he said, ask any Zimbabwean, some words in Herrera come with a special face. So I knew. Now here's what blew me away. My taxi driver smiled and waved at the guy. And I mean, he was friendly. So after we got back on the road, I said, why did you do that? This guy almost ruined your car. He almost sent us to the hospital, and then he was swearing at us. And this is when my taxi driver told me about what I now call the law of the garbage truck. Many people are like garbage trucks. They run around full of garbage, full of frustration, full of anger, full of disappointment. And as their garbage piles up, they need a place to dump it. And if you let them... They'll dump it on you. When someone wants to dump on you, don't take it personally. Just smile, wave, wish them well, and move on. You'll be happy you did. I guarantee it. That's what the taxi driver told me. So this was it, he said, the law of the garbage truck. I started thinking, how often do I let garbage trucks run right over me and how often do I take their garbage and then end up spreading it to other people? At work, at home, on the street. Had a rough day. 
and we're going to give it to everyone else. It was that very day I said, I'm not going to do it. And I've begun to see garbage trucks. I see the load they're carrying. I see them coming and ready to drop it off. And like my taxi driver, I've stopped making it a personal thing. I just smile, wave, wish them well, and I move on. And he concluded by saying, good leaders know they have to be ready for their next meeting. So they do that. Good parents know that they have to welcome their children home from school with hugs and kisses. So they won't let them dump if they need to. Leaders and parents know that they have to be fully present and at their best for people they care about. So they can't let the garbage trucks ruin their day. What about you? What would happen in your life starting today if you'd let more garbage trucks pass you by? He says, I believe you'll be happier. I guarantee it. But to do that, there has to be a will to change. There really does. There's got to be an attitude that says, this is, I I don't want to be this kind of person anymore. I want to please God. So I've got to have a change in mind. I've got to repent. I've got to recognize that I'm actually doing these things and something needs to change. And then I need resolve. Resolve that says, I'm tired of what I, I have been, and I want to walk with my God and live like a Christian should. I'm going to do something about it. There's got to be steadfast work in this resolve to change because getting angry is a habit. It gets ingrained in the life. It's true. You just, you know, someone someone cut you off and just you just go into what you've learned to do. Your wife says something. Your husband says what they say. The kids do what they, they just have that tendency to do, and they know how to set you off, and it just sets you off because you've learned to do that, and changing that takes time, and it takes work. I've heard people say this. I'm just asking the Lord to remove my anger from me. Well, first of all, God won't remove it because anger isn't always sinful. There are times you should be angry about things. Jesus Christ was, and he threw out the money changers. But the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God, James said. And so many times our wrath is wrong, and we need to deal with it. But God's not going to remove your anger if you're asking him to do that. He won't. It's part of your emotions that are important. There are things you should be angry about. So don't start. Don't ask God, God take away my anger. Take away my, take away. Look, God can. But here's the truth, and the scriptures bear this out because there's a lot of scriptures dealing with these things. God just wants us to say, I love you enough, God, that I'm willing to do the work that's necessary to change. And therein often is the problem. Is that really, I just don't love God enough. I really want to change. You see, in doing this, in, in, in dealing with with anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and, and, and evil speaking and all these things that the, 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 uh, when I deal with with these things, there's a number of things that happen. First of all, first of all, I develop spiritual fortitude and strength, character of life that is vitally important for the next time a problem comes because it will. But it also gives me a chance to say, God, I love you and thank you for saving me. And as well, it deepens my relationship with him because I realize 
I can't overcome my temper, but God and his spirit in me can. And I need him. And so God, coming to you, and I have resolved, I, I, I'm going to change this. I need you. I don't, I'm not asking you to remove it, Lord. I'm asking you to help me to love you enough and give me the strength by your spirit to do what I ought to do. That's what I need. So there's got to be this resolve. Something needs to happen. I want to change. I want to please God. Next word is renew. Renew. Go back, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4, if you had turned to Romans chapter 12. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's a, a verse that sometimes we, we don't really talk that much about. Verse 22 says, God, God tells us, put off concerning the, the, the former conversation the old man. Get rid of it. Okay, you got to take it off. That's verse 31. Verse 24, I believe it is, if I back up here and look at it. He says, put on the new man. All right, I got to put these things on, kindness and tenderheartedness, and I need to put on forgiveness. All right, these things I need to put on. But sometimes we, we almost skip verse 23, and this really, really, really is important. In verse 23, we know this principle, but it's at the heart of lasting change, and it is having our mind changed. See, we think and we do. And if a person's going to change their actions, they got to change their thinking. So part of that is recognizing this is sin. It's got to change. It's a resolve that I'm going to do something because that helps me change my mind. But it's also having my mind renewed. It's got to be changed. You see, see, here's, here's, how, here's how I think. Cut me off. Get mad. Start talking to him. She says this, I say that. And that thinking has to change. So verse 22, 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. My mind and my thinking has to be made new now. And what's so wonderful about it is that my thinking can be made new. Isn't that a great truth? Look, the way I, I was and the way I have been in the past, I don't have to be that way anymore. My thinking can be renewed. You say, I don't believe that can happen. Turn to Romans 12. Come on. We'll go back to Romans 12. I should have had you keep your place there. And, and you know these verses. I know. But I want you to look at it. Romans chapter 12. And verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. And right here. We have that principle talked about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. What does God tell you there in, in verse 2? Let's say verse 2 together. Join with me. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know what part of the resolve is? It's I'm going to resolve to renew my mind. How do you renew your mind? You get the word of God and you saturate your life with it. Yes, yeah. You put a verse on uh, right over the speed, not over the speed, the digital numbers you have in your vehicle that tell you your speed. Okay, 
you just take and you put a verse over over that or right beside that that just will remind you when you're tempted to lose your temper. Um, be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Or a number of Proverbs that talk about how to deal with your anger. Well, so I, I think that's silly. You're not renewing your mind then. Renewing your mind is that you're continually putting before yourself new thinking, different thinking that's contrary to the way you've been thinking. So be renewed in the spirit of your mind may not sound like, and it might just be this little insert in between verses 22 and verse 24, but it really is crucial to winning the victory over sin in your life. It's coming to a place where my thinking has to change now. It's already starting to change because I realize this is sin and it's got to change, but how do I make my mind new? I don't make it new. God does. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Come on. Psalm 119 tells you what? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. Not just reading God's word. Well, I read, I'm reading the Bible every day, and I'm reading verses that deal with the problem that I have in my life. Okay, good, wonderful, great. But you've got to have your mind renewed. It might mean that you, you seek every week, I'm going to get another verse that deals with my anger. I'm going to get another verse that deals with bitterness. And I'm going to seek every week to memorize another verse. And every morning, I'm going to pray and ask God to help me to remember this verse as I go throughout my day about bitterness and how it needs to be dealt with in my life. Renewing my mind. Just allowing God to change me through his word and changing my thinking so that when the horn beeps or when the person cuts me off, my first thought is being kind one to another. That's not what you're thinking, is it? But you can. And if you're praying about it and you're actively thinking about that, and maybe you even have the verse before you right there, then I, I'm telling you, God's Spirit will use that to help you to make your mind new so you can act right. It can be done. And that's what's encouraging about this whole thing. God doesn't, God doesn't just leave us to our own and say, do it. God says, I, I'll help. you got to put forth the effort. you got to do what you, you need to do. But if you will put forth the effort because you love me, I will do everything in my power. Draw nigh to God he will draw nigh to you. This is James 4. It really is. I humble myself and say, God, I can't forgive, but you can forgive through me. I can't be tenderhearted. I can't be kind like I should. But you can through me, and I'm going to work at renewing my mind and getting your mind about these things so that I might do that which is right this week. Renew. Stop trying and ask God to, to brainwash you. I, that's not a good way to put it, is it? But I need a brainwashing. If I'm going to change, I need a brainwashing. Do, do, you, do you get that? I just, need, I just need my mind cleaned. And God will help me to do that. Now, I, here's some other, um, you got to add a little phrase to it. Run! or run with the ball, or however you want to put it. In other words, um, take steps. Here's the truth. Um, 
probably there's a good chance that you're still going to have, God will give you plenty of opportunities to test that, by the way, if you have problems with drivers. <clears throat> he, he will. It's just, just amazing how he knows how to, how to just put those things into your life at, at times. But he'll actually give you times when you weren't expecting it. And you'll find that you, you fail. So w- what, what do you do? Well, look, you, you, you get back up and you, you got you to gotta run with the ball. Hey, listen, no one said, because you do these things, and God didn't even say, you do these things, every relationship with people will be right and, and everyone's going to get along and everyone's going to be happy. Because sometimes it takes, it takes two. Oh, that's not the last week. I don't want to talk about dancing anymore. It takes two in order for relationships to work. And an unsaved person may actually be offended if you're kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving because darkness hates the light. You may find at work when you do the things that are right, it actually causes more problems and more friction and more issues. But here's the thing. You'll be right with God. And if you'll just run with the ball, you'll find that God gives you a joy in doing what he's told you to do in your relationship with him. But you'll also find, and this is encouraging, that God will a lot of times use those things. may use those things to help those people see their need for Jesus Christ. He may use those things to just drive home their their stubborn hardness. And sometimes it may even be Christians who hate it. And God may use that, and God may actually hinder the relationship for a while so that ultimately they'll come to the place where they realize they have a part in this too. So you got to run with the ball. You just got to run with it and keep going and keep going and keep going and not stop and not say, oh, I blew it. There, See, I can't overcome this because I, I just lost my temper again. No, no, I, I actually put the last, the last point was rinse and repeat. And actually, it's, it was the word redo originally, but I like rinse and repeat better because you've read that in instructions, right? You know, like, you wash your hair, and then it says rinse and repeat. Or you have a spot, and, and they say this is how you get it off, and it doesn't come off, and it says rinse and repeat. And actually, here's the truth. If you're going to change, you got to rinse and repeat. And that is, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so when you talk to the guy and you said things you shouldn't have said while you were in the car, no one else heard it, but God heard it. You need to deal with it. So what do you do? You rinse and repeat. Lord God... I have sinned against you. I have lost my temper, and that is what I have been trying to work on, and I know that I need your help, and I want to be right with you. So, God, I'm asking you. I'm saying the same thing as you. This is a wicked sin. It's got to change. Forgive me. And God does. God does because he's faithful and just. So then what's the repeat? Well, then I just get back up and I say, okay, I blew it that time. But the next guy that comes in front of me, I am going to respond to properly. And God, with your grace and with your help, I'm going to do that which is right. Rinse and repeat and never stop rinsing and repeating. Just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. That's how you change. It really is. We'd like to make it a lot easier than that. We, we would like God to, Lord, take away my temper. And God says, here's how, you, here's how your temper has changed. Do it. And I'll be with you every step of the way. And I'm thankful there's a God who will do that. And I'm thankful there's a God who tells me this is how I can be right with him, and this is what he saved me for. You know, God didn't save me to lose my temper in the car. God didn't save me to be mean to my wife. God didn't save me to be um, 
to be unkind to my coworkers. God saved me to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. That's what he saved me for. That's what he gave me his spirit for. And that's what I can be with his help. If I'll do what I need to do. Will you? That's the question. Let's bow heads and close our eyes. How many you just say this morning, you know, you know, Pastor, that's I man, I maybe even I have known these things. I know them. That's what I need to do. And by God's grace, with his help, I'm going to ask God to give me the strength and help as I take action and do what I can to put off the bitterness and the wrath and the malice and the anger and the evil speaking and the clamor. And by God's grace, I will put on the kindness that God spoke to me. And by his grace, I'm going to take some steps this week to move forward for the glory of God. How many stand with your eyebrow raised here? It's my prayer. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Good. Excellent. All right. Get going this afternoon. Do something about it. Change of mind. Change of actions. Change of person. That's what God wants. And he'll do in you as you act. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge of this passage, the extreme challenge of this passage, which gives us on a probably a daily opportunity to show our love for you, develop our spiritual character and, and life by your grace to put off the wrong, to put on the right. And Father, may there be some real victory in the lives of your people who raised a hand today. And I'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you if you're able right now. Just stand to your feet. If you're able to do that, just stand to your feet right now. We have a time of invitation, hymn of invitation. Just an opportunity for people to respond as God's worked in your heart. With heads bowed, eyes closed, don't worry about anyone else. This is about, this is about you leaving this place in tune with God and ready to walk with him. And if he, he worked in your heart, then it would be a great thing for you to take a, a moment and just deal with it. There's room up front. You can write where you're at, sit down, kneel down, talk to the Lord about it, and leave the place, this place knowing that, that you are ready now to move forward and please the Lord in whatever he's worked in your heart about. So she begins to play right now. Do business with God right where you're at. Just take a moment. Sit down, kneel down, come forward. Take advantage of the opportunity to talk to the Lord about it. Do that repenting, that change of mind. That might lead to a change of action. Start now. See if there be some wicked way in me. It's just being open before God. She's going to play one more verse. The invitation's open. It may have been a message for believers, but if you're here and you don't know you're part of the family of God, you can't change your life like God talks about here without Jesus Christ. And he wants to save you. We'd love to have someone take a Bible and help you settle that issue and know you're saved and on your way to heaven today. You're invited to come. Not to embarrass you, we'll have someone take a Bible to a side room and show you how you can be saved today and know it. 
Invitation's open as God's worked in your heart. Father, I thank you so very much for your word. I thank you for so practical admonitions that are not easy to do, but they truly are what pleases you. So, Father, may there be a real measure of victory this week in the lives of believers as they learn to put off and put on, as they renew their mind with your help and strength, and just begin to walk that life that is well-pleasing to you. We thank you, Lord, for what you'll do and how you'll change us this week. In Christ's name, amen. Lord bless you as you live for him. I hope you'll stay and join us for lunch. If you can help us with all your stuff being put on like the back row so we can move chairs and put tables.